either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, I know you're expecting movie reviews, but I hope you don't mind if we do some election results from Nevada. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. No, they're still not in yet. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. We got a bunch, a bunch to talk about this week. So let's get at it, both in theaters and on streaming. And this first one is in theaters for this weekend. A retired sheriff and his wife grieving over the death of their son set out to find their only grandson. It's Let Him Go. Trying to locate a Donnie Wee Boy. He married our son's widow. Got our grandson with him. You let it be known you're looking for a wee boy. I'll find you. Go careful. We came to see our grandson. My boy doesn't have to answer to you. And we don't have to answer to you. Whoa. <laughs> Come with us. No. He'd kill me. Him and his mother. Don't start what she can't finish. Why, Diane Lane and Kevin Costner have a really comfortable on-screen presence, don't they? They do. As soon as I saw this trailer weeks ago, I thought, they've made 10 movies together <laughs> and they haven't no but just the two yeah but it, you really have that lived in chemistry and that really helps this movie a lot it's uh it's a good old genre revenge southern gothic type through not southern got more like western gothic right type thriller and uh and it works pretty well it's an adaptation of a novel and the writer uh is also the director thomas bazucha and uh yeah it's set in the late 1950s and Costner is a retired sheriff in Montana, Diane Lane, his wife. And um, early on in the movie, like right away, their son uh, dies in an accident. And that leaves their daughter-in-law and their young grandson. And then we skip ahead almost immediately, very quickly, to their daughter-in-law getting remarried to this shady dude. Uh, part of the Wee Boy family. That's a weird last name. I we- think so too. Wee it's Boy. really weird. Yeah. yeah, and he's a bad he's a bad dude. Um, Diane Lane sees him abuse the child and and uh, their daughter in law. But and then just boom, one day they're all gone. And so the sheriff and the missus decide to track him down to North Dakota, and they find out that uh, this family that their ex daughter in law married into does not appreciate the attention from strangers, and they their clan is headed up by. Mrs. Blanche Weeboy. Of course her name is Blanche. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> and she's played by Leslie Manville. Who is so insanely glorious in so many things, but especially the Phantom Thread. Yeah, and she's done a lot of those Mike Lee. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But she's, she's great in everything, and she just chews the walls off of every scene, and it's glorious. <laughs> she's just, you can just hear her... Her dragging on her cigarette and just tr- being so menacingly polite to these people until she gets just outright mean mm-hmm. and starts ordering all her sons to do all these these uh, bad acts to, to try to drive Sheriff and the missus away. And, of course, it doesn't work, and it becomes a revenge thriller. It doesn't try to—this movie doesn't try to trick you in any way. You know where it's going. Right. But it's satisfying when it gets there, and it takes its sweet time. It's over two hours. This film is— uh, a little, a little over two hours, and it does. It it takes its time to get to the business. 
Uh, but it's really helped by, as you said, the chemistry between Kevin Costner and Diane Lane really helps a lot. Uh, this is the kind of role that Kevin Costner could do just in his sleep. He's so comfortable with this weathered country lawman. Mm-hmm. He's as, as effective as he's been in years. And Diane Lane really steps into the, the soul of, of the film as the mother who's still grieving. And now her grandson is gone. And she's got this wounded heart on her sleeve. And she won't she won't uh, let go until they track this uh, this boy and the and the mother down. So yeah, it it does work. It's it's not uh, the best movie of the year, but darned if it isn't if it isn't satisfying. And a and especially in a movie that you can just tell it is aimed squarely at the older demos. Right. Um. You know what kind of audience they're going to get when it's just in theaters this weekend? I have no idea. It's hard to say how comfortable the older demos are at going out to the theater. But uh, if if you are and you like that theater experience and feel safe, it's just a good solid time at the movies for an, for a, a thriller that's aimed um, at adults. And I thought it was uh, very satisfying. Called Let Him Go. Another one that's opening only in theaters this week uh, is the story of two brothers trying to escape their circumstances by traveling across the country for a no holds barred boxing match that becomes a fight for their lives. It's called Jungle Land. You owe me money. You don't have. I'm offering you an opportunity. Battle Royale for 100K. Take it to this address by this time next week and Lion stays on the card. We got one option. We fight. You use me and what I'm good at. Everybody knows it. You set me up. What am I going to look out for you? I know what you're trying to do. You don't know why I do what I do. We're not going to lose. It's fate. I know that you are a pretty big Charlie Hunnam fan, but we're both big Jack O'Connell, Jack O'Connell fans. He's, he's always, he, always He's good. always wonderful. Yeah, he, yeah. Charlie Hunnam, uh, I think he's solid even in bad movies, and he's made a few of them. Yeah. And it's not that this one is bad, it's just that it's so familiar. Right. Uh, I The more, really from the beginning of this film, the setup is so cliched. We've seen this time and time again. You just wonder what was the draw mm-hmm. for everyone involved. Right. And really the, 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 the thing that holds your attention is... The chemistry and the between these two actors, what they do with these very familiar roles, and they're brothers, and they they play brothers, and they do create a, a, an authentic brotherly bond. But my lord, we've been down this road before. The not a boxer, he's a bare knuckle fighter. Uh, Jack O'Connell is his uh, his character is called Lion. That's what he goes, Lion Kaminsky, and he's the fighter, the quiet one, and his brother Stanley Kaminsky. What? <laughs> yeah, well, like we don't immediately think of Stanley Kowalski, but um, and he's the one who's got all the schemes, and he's got it, and he just makes one bad decision after the other. They owe money to this crime boss, played by Jonathan Majors. It's a small part, but great to see him. Mm-hmm. And they have a way out of their predicament. If they can make this big score, they're sent across the country to San Francisco, get in this big, bare-knuckle, free-for-all battle royale where the the grand prize is 100 grand and then they could be set and everything's free and everything's good they're going to live the good life oh but they also have to take this girl with them who goes by the name of sky that's part of the deal and she's played by jessica barden and of course there's things they don't know about the mission and things get are double crossed and uh they don't go exactly as planned again we've we've just we've seen it all yeah so many times 
that uh, it's uh, the writer, the co-writer and director is Max Winkler. Yes, Henry's son. You just wonder, I just kept wondering, even though it's not bad, everything is very competent. Storytelling, very competent. Uh, performance is fine. What was the draw here in telling this story again and again? I, I, I really don't know, except to just to give these actors the chance to, to see what they can do with these familiar roles. I don't see that in the, the writing and the directing any fresh take on this. Right. That was what was really puzzling about it. So it's not bad. It's just so cliched and familiar. And we'll see how it does, uh, again, opening in theaters this weekend called Jungle Land. Now we've got a few that are opening this weekend in some theaters across the country, but also on streaming services. And the first is a fantasy adventure origin story about a young man discovering he has godlike powers. And it's based on ancient Norwegian mythology. It's called Mortal. If you touch me, you will burn. I don't care what he is. We need to find him quickly, get him under control. Eric, stop this! I can't. He cannot reach a city. You do agree with me, right? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Who knows what you can achieve if you learn how to control it? We had a couple this week from some tried and true directors, the yeah. kind of directors that you always just see what it is they have next. Mm-hmm. And this one is Andre Avradal, who started off, you know, turned our head with Troll Hunter a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he followed it up with a very, very different movie that was also really great, the the uh, autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes. And then a couple of years ago, uh, or maybe it was just last year, he did Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was uh, really great to look at. And it so, was. But and, I haven't I haven't run into many, hardly anyone who doesn't who has seen Troll Hunter and doesn't like it. Oh yeah. And who has seen Autopsy of Jane Doe and think, you know what? That wasn't great, but for a, a good B movie, that was that was really satisfying. Oh, I know a lot of people really love the autopsy, yeah. uh, autopsy of Jane Doe. And so so what's interesting to me about Mortal is that it's not by any stretch a horror film. Now all the others were to a certain degree and D- Jane Doe outright horror yeah. films. So it was interesting to see him branch out a little bit and this one is set in Norway. He is a Norwegian filmmaker, so that makes some sense, although it's um it's about half in English, probably a little more than half in English, because the main character is actually an American. And he um, is Nat Wolf, who looks exactly like his brother, Alex Wolf, from Hereditary. He does. Uh, so Nat Wolf is in Norway. We find him kind of disheveled and unshaven, and he's been there for a while, and bad things have happened ever since he arrived, and he's starting to discover his own powers. So what's interesting about this movie, first of all, it looks great. And and second of all, we're so used to, at this point, superhero films that are just like, you know, the budget is sky's the limit. And this is not that. Uh, there are a couple of set people, pieces that look great, but it's clear that this is, you know, mid-budget. It's not, it's not a huge budget. It's not Marvel, uh, which means, which to me, kind of gives a little more swagger to the story they are telling, in fact. It's rated R, which I don't understand, because yeah. there's, there's not a lot of violence. Uh, the violence that there that is there is not bloody at all, and there's not uh, very little foul language, so I don't, know, I don't know how he got stuck with an R rating. And I think that's unfortunate, because I think it's going to keep the right audience away, actually. So, you know, I, I don't think that this is a great movie, but I was compelled by it. It was interesting. It, it's funny. It just says on IMDb, it says rated R for brief violence. 
That is very strange. It's very strange. Very strange. But this is one, do you have the feel of a franchise? Is that on their minds, do you think? Uh, I definitely think that it was, I mean, it's certainly a possibility with the way things are left. It stands to sell. It stands alone as a film. And I would be very surprised if this is the kind of movie that made enough money to Mm. merit a sequel. Well, Overdahl also gets a writing credit on this. Mm. And it's interesting to see him moving away from genres that we're used to right. seeing him in and do this or origin story. But yeah, it's uh, it's worth a look. It's called Mortal. Here's another one that is some English and some foreign language. It's a story of an astronaut preparing for a one-year mission aboard an international space station. It's called Proxima. I never thought that one day I'd be saying the last mission before Mars, and yet here we are making last preparations for the long journey. I think you ought to ask him to lighten your load. Uh, What do you know about my core skills? There's no such thing as a perfect astronaut. Just like there's no such thing as a perfect mother. But this is, uh, this is maybe Eva Green's strongest performance. Yeah, Eva Green carries this. It's from uh, the writer-director Alice Winokur. She wrote Mustang a couple so years good. ago. Yeah, and then she wrote and directed a movie called Disorder. And she's very, you know, quietly insightful. And it's interesting that this movie is set within the space program. It's, it's a, a crew getting ready to, as the synopsis said, spend a year at a space station, a year away. And... Eva Green plays the only female member of that crew. And basically the film gets into the the details, the day-to-day work that goes into getting ready to go into space. And you could, you'd could be hard-pressed to find a more challenging job than an astronaut. Oh, sure. But in that's the setting that the film uses to really look at women and trying to find that work-life motherhood balance and the strain they have to carry that most of the time men do not, especially when they're trying to navigate it in a patriarchal society. And it does it well. Eva Green is is very good as it, as it shows her try to, I mean, from the, from the minute she's introduced by the team leader who's played by Matt Dillon, who's good in a very small part, mm-hmm. there's just this subtle and sometimes not so subtle condescension. Sure. Little jokes about, well, it'd be good to have a good cook in the space. Mm. Uh, you know, oh, just being funny. What? I didn't mean anything by it. That sort of crap. Sure. Yeah. And uh, it it's really insightful in the way that it, it goes about speaking softly, but still transcending its setting. I mean, it is very cool to see how missions to, to space, some of the, the training that goes into it. You know, if you're going to pick a job, it's an interesting job to learn about. You know, if, when, you, when you don't know a lot about space travel. But it's not a movie about space travel. It's about preparing to go to space. And also this woman, as the men don't have to do, she has to prepare to leave her child. And the child has to prepare to be without her mother. Now, of course, maybe some of the men do have children, so they're going to leave as well. But it's not the same. And they're not carrying the same strain onto the job with them. And uh, it's They should an, be. But see, that's part. yeah, that's part of it. Um, they're not looked at the same way, mm-hmm. and she's not looked at the same way because she she has a child, and, oh, that brings a whole different layer to her doing the job that the men are not just thought of in society that they have to deal with. So it's a really interesting setting to put this film in to make this type of statement. And, yeah, Eva Green does a great job in carrying the role. She's in probably 
every, almost every scene, mm-hmm. if not every scene. And uh, it's it's quietly, emotionally dazzling, I think, uh, and, and worth checking out. Again, this is one that's in some theaters, um, but mostly streaming that you'll find. And uh, again, some some in English, but because she's French, and uh, some of the other some of the other crew members are French as well. It's some subtitles in French and also in English called Proxima. Hey, Halloween may be over, but we got another scary one. On a secluded farm in a nondescript rural town, a man is slowly dying. His family gathers to mourn, and soon a darkness grows. It's called The Dark and the Wicked. There are things in this world, horrible things, wicked, and they come for whoever they want. I saw something. Crazy. Do you smell him? He's close now. He's not out there. He's already here. Here's another director that we're always excited to see what he's up to. Brian Bertino. If you don't know know that name, have you seen The Strangers? Is Tamara home? <laughs> so creepy. Well, this is his latest. And uh, yeah, if you're still in the mood after Halloween for something scary, this will do the trick. Yeah, it's uh, it's set on this isolated farm, and it's just one of those films, you know, the, the two adult children have come home to be with their ailing father and as soon as they're there the mom the mom, she doesn't want him there and you know they're they're kind of pushing that off like you know is it the emotional strain nope that's not it and it's not <laughs> what they think it is and right. she's not, you know and it's such a there is such a sinister atmosphere and there's such isolation and it reminded me you know at times weirdly of the thing in the way that that John Carpenter was able to make something so claustrophobic and also so big and vast Mm -hmm. because you just feel like they're too far away from help Mm. they're too far away um, and, you know, they go outside and look around, and it should be this beautiful, but then there's, like, what's moving over in the shadows? And it's a goat farm, of course. It's just, it's very effective in its creepy, creepy foreboding. You know, uh, Brian Bertino, he's um, not a horror director that lets you off the hook. And it's not as if that this is a gory film at all, but it's just, it delivers some meanness to yeah. it, and uh, and yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah, it was it was good. I liked it. Yeah, and this one you'll find again at some theaters uh, across the country, but also streaming services. The Dark and the Wicked. Check it out. Let's stay with the creepy. Plagued by mysterious hallucinations, a pregnant woman suspects that the family of her deceased boyfriend has intentions for her unborn child, Kindred. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I think it's going to be a boy. We've decided that we're moving. To Australia. We're not taking my grandchild. We need a fresh start. You cannot walk out on this place! You're not well. You don't even seem to realize that. Why do you keep me trapped in the house? You condition, I don't have a condition. Give me the key. No. I think I'm gonna need your help. Give me the key! No! No! You're sick. Don't you realize you're the one who's sick? There's been too much death in this family. 
Tamara Lawrence is the lead here, and she does a really good job. Uh, she is a, a black woman whose white boyfriend has recently died, and his uh, mother and stepbrother have kind of taken her in kind of against her will, kind of not. She's pregnant. She didn't really want to be pregnant. So they set up this very interesting dynamic at the beginning where she is still trying to figure out what she's going to do about this unexpected pregnancy when all of a sudden the father dies. They live in a very small town, and the mother, mom, is played by (laughs) Fiona Shaw, who is as formidable in this role as she has ever been. And she's one of those, we talk a lot about that guy's. In movies, she's one of those that woman. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's <laughs> that lady. Right. She's so good. She's so domineering, but in a way that is at times just well, maybe she's just English, you know. It's like, <laughs> um, but really, it's Jack Loudon from Dunkirk who steals this movie as this weird stepbrother, very put upon, very subservient, very just kind of always making lunch, always checking on mom, <laughs> always filling your teacup. And it's, it's just, it's, it's such a sincere, uh, empathetic, weird performance that he is really, I think, what makes the movie seem different than it is. Because the truth of the matter is, this movie is so ordinary. It is so by the numbers. And it doesn't even do it in a very interesting pace. It really draws it out as if it's leading you someplace surprising. And it not ever one time for one minute surprises you. It's very frustrating in that. Um, And, you know, it it opens up a lot of questions like, why are you not doing X, Y, Z right now? And it doesn't (laughs) ever really answer those questions. And this is from writer, co-writer, director Joe Marcantonio. And it's another one that you can find some theaters this weekend, but mainly on streaming services. So it uh, gives you a little bit of creepiness, but never is quite as effective as, say, the uh, the other one this weekend. We just talked about the Dark, Dark and the Wicked. Wicked. And that is Kindred. We'll go to Netflix next. It's the story of a refugee couple making a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan. But then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. It's his house. Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers. Not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. I saw something in the dark. You have felt it too. This is what they want. They like to see us crazy. Ah! <laughs> Let them send us back. This is my house! This is my house! This is my house! My house! You don't wonder what it tells me. It says I should be afraid of you. This is one I think we might be a week late on this. Uh, but we wanted to include it because we checked it out this week, and it's it, it's worth checking out. I yeah. enjoyed it if you have Netflix. Um, the the couple, one of the stars, if you just got done watching as we did Lovecraft Country, you're going to recognize the female lead, Wunmi Masaku. Uh, she plays the uh, the female was, half of the couple. She was Ruby. She Ruby. was yeah, so good. She was so good. So good. And so, she's really good in this. She just has such a presence. She's one yeah. of those one of those people who it's like you always watch her eyes, and her eyes tell you a lot. A mm-hmm. lot of times, what they tell you is you're being judged right now. <laughs> and uh, the man is also good. He's played by Soapy Derisu. Hope I pronounced that right. But yeah, they are get through to this uh, seeking asylum, and they get approved 
to get on the track to citizenship, and they're assigned a house. And they have all these rules they have to follow, and they, they have no choice in the matter. They have to go to the house that they're assigned. And they're kind of surprised because it's a big house. Right. And they're expecting, you know, something very confining. But no, they get the whole house to themselves, and then strange things start haunting them in the house. It's such a it's such a powerful allegorical film, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I think horror, horror movies can be really powerful when they do effectively execute an allegory, and this one does. And it gives you some decent scares does. too. It does. does, yeah. But yeah, by the time you get to the end and they reveal some of the, I don't want to say twists really, but when the the story comes full full circle, I think it's a. It's themes and morals that you will appreciate, and they give you a good, a couple of good scares on the way there. And it's different. It's not, a, you know what I mean. It's a, it's not a story that you will feel like, oh, okay, we've we've visited this one too many times. I mean, it's it's a fresh perspective, and the performances are great. Yeah, and the co-writer, a director, is Remy Weeks. Definitely, if you have Netflix, check out his house. Another horror flick next. Man, for the week after Halloween, got some scary stuff this this week. That's good. Somewhere in the North Atlantic, late 1945, a life raft adrift at sea, and in it. The survivors of a torpedoed hospital ship with no food, water, or shelter all seems lost until an abandoned German minesweeper drifts ominously towards them, giving them one last chance at survival. It's blood vessel. Engine's running, but nobody's home. Bet this tub's still crawling with krauts. What the? I heard flyboys talking about women's causing all kinds of trouble. You know, whatever happened on this ship, this wasn't gremlins. Something far more real. Oh, hello, darling. Is this yours? They are not so easy to kill, no? Darren Tilby reviewed this one for us. It is the it is the Shutter premiere this week. Yeah, Darren gives our written review uh, this week at MadWolf.com, and I will say he liked it better than I did. Um, so uh, I didn't appreciate it as much. I didn't think it was effective in its its visual presentation, which he really liked. He, right. he really liked the the visualness of it. Or and and I thought maybe the the creatures. Once you get to what's uh, haunting the boat there. Mm-hmm. Not really effective. Uh, and it's going to remind you of some other movies, especially um, Aliens, probably, sure. at times. But uh, it's got a couple of good performances that drive it. And um, it's if it's one that uh, you have a liking for these types of... So, because it is a... a creature a, feature. A, 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 it is a creature feature and a nice setup. You know, we have to make the choice. They're on this raft. It's like, okay, well, which one of our fates is going to be... Is going to be worse. Right. We're not going to survive on this raft. Are we going to take our chances on this boat that looks very, very weird? Well, you'd probably do the same thing. But, uh, yeah, so if that sounds like something you want to go with, Creature Feature, if you like those. I didn't find it nearly as satisfying as Darren did. So uh, if you want to check out his review, it's there for you at madwolf.com. And that's Blood Vessel on Shudder premiering this week. Next is the film adaptation of Eric Jensen's award-winning biography of Adam Cullen. The story of the biographer and his subject as it descends into a dependent and abusive relationship. It's called Acute Misfortune. People were afraid of me. He's very alone. You know, I'm the only person he really talks to anymore. There's a lot we don't know about Adam. There's a lot we don't want to know. Uh, why did you become a painter? Sit there. 
You all right? You want a drink, mate? Yeah. Everything is changing, Digger. But not for the better. Everything moves towards its end, mate. And this is the only profession in the world where your employer wants you to die. Have you got what you wanted? Well, Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us, and he loved it. And I had good feeling going in because it is Daniel Henshaw uh, playing the artist, uh, and I love him. He is He's just such a great presence for roles like this. We knew him best from Snowtown because he seems so unassuming right. and so amiable, and he turns really very effectively and authentically sinister. Yeah, and that's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, because early on, just as, just as he did in Snowtown, you think... Oh, he's he's a friend. No, not no, at no, all. no, not at all. This is co-writer director Thomas M. Wright, and it's on Prime Video, and it's one of the bargain priced ones too, at just three ninety nine. So definitely might be something uh, worth checking out. And uh, again, like you said, Brandon loved it. Our writer Brandon Thomas, and you can check out that full review at MadWolf dot com. But uh, yeah, a cute misfortune worth looking up. Got a Swedish entry next as the couple goes on a trip to find their way back to each other. A sideshow artist and his shady entourage emerge from the woods, terrorizing them, luring them deeper into a maelstrom of psychological terror and humiliating slapstick. It's quite a combination for Coco D. Coco Da. Matt Weiner reviewed this one for us, and he watched it election night. He thought it would be a good way to distract him <laughs> from the horror of election night, and he was quickly sorry. He said it was a terrible, terrible decision. Not because it's a bad movie. It's a great movie, but it is it is difficult, um, and it's very well made, but it's basically a film. It's, it's kind of a time loop horror where it, a nightmare that you can't escape from, and a real nightmare, a real nightmare. And it's in the woods. Yeah, and it's another one that's allegorical. I mean, it's telling you it's telling you something that you have to, to deal with. It's very well done, but it is a tough film. Yeah, writer-director is Johan Nyholm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, not exactly the stuff you want to ease your mind on election night. But but it's, it's good to know what you're in for. Yeah. And, but it's certainly effective in, in doing it and get that full... Review from uh, our Matt Weiner at uh, MadWolf.com. And, yeah, in, very interesting in the way it's told. And you call it, it's, it's funny, it's classified as fantasy, horror, and also comedy. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not very funny. And that is Coco D. Coco Da. And we'll wrap it up with some horror animation. The year is 1994. For centuries, a demonic cult has been plotting the destruction of mankind when a small Colorado town is overrun by a legion of mutating demons. Three non-demon hunter friends must use every skill their minds can fathom to stave off the demon apocalypse. It's Attack of the Demons. My name is Stuart Combs. My mission in life is to keep the monsters at bay by any means necessary. So what do we do now? We get the hell out of this town. My uncle's cabin. Did you see that? His head flew off. Can we just get going? It's too late to turn back now.
It's funny this one is showing up now because I remember watching this. How was it three years ago? I watched it in an airport. We had this really long layover on vacation, and it was one of the submissions for Nightmares Film Festival. Right. And that's when I first saw it. Now, our written review for this on MedWolf.com was done by Kat McAlpine, mm-hmm. and she actually thought about the same that I did uh, about this movie. It has its moments, but it's also very, very uneven. First of all, it's that uh, cut Anim- cut, paper. cut paper animation, and it's set in a Colorado town. Right. So you're already thinking South Park. Exactly. And you will continue thinking South Park. <laughs> but first, the thing that jumps off to me about this movie is, for an animated movie, the voice acting is horrendous. Yeah. Just horrendous. And that's an important part of an animated yeah. movie. Yes, it really is. It just seems like they got their neighbor from across the street to just record the lines until we get somebody real, and they just left it in there. It's just terrible. And for me, it's so I'm so centered on that sometimes. It really, really uh, torpedoed the movie for me. But And I think Kat was of a like mind, maybe not quite as much. She enjoyed it maybe a little bit more than I did. One of the reasons that we asked Kat to do this one, actually, is because she's an artist and she does a lot with collage. And so I had the feeling that she would be very have a lot of insight in terms of the particular artistry. And I think that um, because of that, I think she was a little bit more generous because she really found some some charm mm-hmm. in in the the animation style. And, but but I mean, it's also, you know, it's kind of fun. A lot of the demonic transformations and a lot of the gore, the way they handle it, it is an interesting film to watch. It's just it's not a great film to listen to. Yeah. So if you like a little maybe a little South Park uh, animation type horror, that one is uh, streaming now. And it's another bargain. It's only uh, it's three ninety nine. Nice uh, for a stream. And that is Attack of the Demons. Hey, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Okay, we're back in the lobby. You know what that means. It's time to rock out with your schlock out. Oh! (laughs) Catchphrase! (laughs) That's a new catchphrase for you, Daniel Baldwin, the schlocketeer. I'll have to keep that one. <laughs> uh, checking in with all the latest movie and studio news, and you, you, we were just talking off the air, and you said at first you thought it was kind of a light week, but then you found a bunch of stuff. Yep, the dominoes have continued to fall. Disney went ahead and pushed both Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile and the Ryan Reynolds sci-fi action comedy Free Guy to 2021, so they're gone. And Sony has postponed Escape Room 2 to 2021 as well. It was previously set for a December 30th release. And beyond that, basically that means they're between, what, there's about seven, eight weeks left in the year. There's only nine studio films still set for theatrical release, and six of them are Universal movies. So, you know, they're, they're going to keep their three-week window in place. So those will probably stay. The remaining three are Disney's Nomadland, which is a small indie film. I imagine it will stick to its date and then just have a VOD release early next year. Sony's Monster Hunter is in there, but we, you know, as we talked about previously, that's going to make its money overseas. They don't really care how it does in the U.S. And then the last one is Warner Brothers Wonder Woman, and I'll be surprised if that doesn't end up moving. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be very surprised. Beyond all of that, I do have dates for stuff that people can watch this year. So... <laughs> All right. <laughs> the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special that we were talking about yeah. previously, it hits Disney Plus this month on November 17th. 
I'm looking forward to that. Yes. So am I. And Hope, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you ever sit around and just think to yourself, man, I really wish the directors of Killer Clowns from Outer Space would do a 40-minute Rankin and Bass-style Christmas special? I have thought that. Maniac aliens? I have <laughs> thought that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting it. Uh, the, the Kyoto Brothers' Alien Xmas is hitting Netflix on November 20th, so that should be fun. It should be. I'm more excited that, about that than I am that Lego thing. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> and beyond that, we've got... Uh, Melissa McCarthy's latest comedy is hitting HBO Max on November 26th. That one's called Super Intelligence. Steven Soderbergh's Meryl Streep comedy, Let Them All Talk, is also hitting HBO Max sometime in December. Mm. Savior of Cinema, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, <laughs> will hit VOD <laughs> on December 15th. Um, George Clooney's sci-fi thriller, The Midnight Sky, is hitting Netflix on December 23rd. And Amazon is kind of surprisingly not sitting on Coming to America for a while. They will be dropping it on Prime on December 18th this year. Ah. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there is some uh, is some news out there. Fair amount. Yeah. So by this time next week, uh, you got to nail down the T-shirt rights to rock out with your <laughs> schlock out. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find Daniel Baldwin at the Schlocketeer. Thanks, as always. Oh, thanks for having me. See, Daniel didn't wake up this morning and think he's going to get a new catchphrase, <laughs> and now he's got one. All right, looking ahead to next week, I think the uh, leader is a different take on Santa Claus. Is, is that right? Fat Man. Correct. Ooh, Mel Gibson? Yes. We'll see how that goes. And my summer as a goth, which is the one I'm most excited for. Okay, lingering. Dating Amber. Is, has that been postponed? It seems like I've been hearing about that one for a while. Is that one that's been postponed for a while? Maybe not. I don't know. Wolf Walker. I like the sound of that. Yeah, and Dirty God. Okay, so at least right now, it won't be as crowded as it is this week, although that can change at any time. Definitely a crowded week this week. Let us know what you thought about any of the movies in theaters, in streaming, a little bit of both. You can always keep the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter, at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And as we've uh, been mentioning, the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and other fun stuff, including our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. You can find all of that at MadWolf.com. Thanks again for stopping by the screening room. Always love it when you do. Do us a favor if you would, and subscribe, rate, and review. So until next week, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>